I, I love that movie. I think it's great. I find myself every once in a while telling people that it's not their fault. So I just want to mention it quickly. We won a big battle today on net neutrality. Title II stands. Uh, the reclassification of providers as common carriers is one of the reasons uh, we will continue to come to you for free uh, and that we have a chance to flourish on the internet. So go Tom Wheeler, go FCC, and big win for the little guy. Jeff is rolling his eyes in the studio because he doesn't care about net neutrality and he also hates all baby boomers. So No, I just woke up because that was so boring. Uh, if you want to read about cool stuff with net neutrality, just anything by Alexis Ohanian. But anyway, we have Esther Steinberg on the show this week. She's a comedian uh, based out of L.A. And she is on the Oxygen Network television show Funny Girls and has a show in production with ABC Digital called smoking whitefish and she's just generally speaking really really funny uh so if you're ready to laugh this is the episode for you uh and let me say you do want to stick around till the end there is butt stuff and dolphin stuff and donut stuff so it's all worth it so welcome to the show esther Thank you. Yeah. So we actually had to reschedule this because you were doing a, a funnier die sketch uh, a couple days ago. Um, yes, and it was time sensitive because it's about Donut Day, and tomorrow is National Donut Day. Are there free donuts at Dunkin' Donuts? I think people around will be giving free donuts, and the sketch is about how the barista gives us a free donut and then we of course freak out about it and we're playing like two basic bitches which is i guess the character i get cast as a lot uh i usually play opposite another like blonde girl so it's like a brown haired girl and a blonde girl and they're dumb and they eat donuts and they freak out about it so that's the sketch did you get cast with somebody that like a, a partner of yours or somebody that you had never met before or somebody that you worked with occasionally or who cast it, Funny or Die? Um, well, it was tech, It was Funny or Die, but it's this very cool boyfriend-girlfriend combo who like wrote it and directed it in DP. And um, I actually did the shit you've done in an Uber video with them and then I became friends with her and I was like... I, I don't know. I'm always like getting I got together with her and, and we talked about ideas for sketches. And then out of nowhere, she was like, by the way, I'm doing a new sketch for Donut Day. Be in it. So it was a good it was a good friend of mine. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like a whole casting process to find the most basic, cool. the most basic bitch. They weren't the thinking and they were like, who's the most basic we know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's and Esther I did. I did a lot of voices. I had to find the perfect voice for like the dumb girl, which is sometimes fun and sometimes just sad. Do you have that on hand? Can you pull it out? Yeah, I mean, we can like go out to brunch and <laughs> I just have to charge my electric car and I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love hearing people do voices. Uh, one of my aspirations is to be a voice actor, so it's always fun to listen can to people who can just pull it out of the back bitch? pocket. Can you um, do a wouldn't I be technically like a basic bro? 
Like, it, yeah, it, is it bro? Bros are like bros are like everybody kind of does the same voice when they go to the bro. There's so this, this is like, this is this is bullshit because this, Kyle Kyle's like, basic bro voice is the same voice that he did a week ago <laughs> when he was trying to when he was pretending to be me. I don't think Jeff quite understands that it's like a direct critique of his style and the way he lives his life. But mostly, I just like to bro. listen to Dave Matthews Band and like play frisbee in the backyard. Question: Did you guys watch the game yesterday? Oh my it god! Did you sick. see it? Did you see like the fourth <laughs> quarter comeback? It was crazy. It was a very good game. I just dude. think like their coach could learn a lot from my opinions. LeBron. That's what Twitter's for, man. Right, LeBron. Fuck LeBron. Yeah, man. Speaking of... That's the best that I have, by the way. Speaking of, how far are you from uh, where Golden State plays? I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Man, I'm, like, really close. I'm basically on the court right now. Sportsman, don't don't you, like, pay attention to the sports around you? Like, fuck geography. It's just where the basketballs are. I did play. I did put money into the like March Madness, and I think I was like second in my like. Oh, look at you! You make any money? You get paid Um, out? I did. I made sixty dollars, but it just kind of went to my boyfriend, who I guess forced me to (laughs) play. He just like asked me what team. He was like, "This team or this team?" And I just randomly picked whichever one I'd like to visit more. I'm like, Hawaii, uh, Virginia. Like I just randomly (laughs) picked a state, and then I got second. (laughs) And I would have gotten first if Villanova wouldn't have robbed me. Yeah, they did the same thing to me. Except I got like 14th or something. Yeah, I don't but I really don't. I really don't keep up with sports because I'm from Tampa, so it's like, what am I gonna do? Talk about the Bucks? Do you watch football? Lightning? No, I don't. I don't. I try to avoid violence and right and sports altogether. I'm really actually very bad at keeping up with anything boy related. I am such the worst. I don't know a single comic book. I was forced into watching Avengers 2. I hated it. I hate it all. I could go on for hours about why I hate it. Just you're just full of hate. So wait, what kind I, of what kind of movies do you watch? Like romantic comedies and stuff? No, I watch anything that Tina Fey writes. Ooh. That's uh, watch- yeah, that's a good that's a good list though. Yeah, like I will be watching the Andy Samberg movie. Like I watch funny movies. That's supposed to be anything- excellent by the way. Yeah, I'm super excited. Anything Sasha Baron Cohen or like, I don't know. I just like smart, funny movies and anything that's like the plot is like we captured a woman and then held a gun to her head. And then we we uh, have to the dad has to kill everyone to rescue her. I'm just like, I can't. I think that's Taken. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So you do watch Taken or you don't watch Taken? No, took in with Liam Neeson's. Yeah, I don't watch any of it. I just hate it. I hate... Well, I will completely bash um, the superheroes and be like, I think I if, if, if people start talking about it a lot, then I start, like, I explode into, like, the ego of the male and how everyone's just like, well, I'm Superman, I'm the best, I can fly. And it's, like, so unrealistic because he uh, sucks. This is gonna be the life. this is gonna be the episode that goes viral because of the superhero hate. They won't talk about anything related to it. It's just like Esther Steinberg shits all over Marvel. Yeah, <laughs> Who does I, she yeah, think and then she they, is. 
you know, and Wonder Woman like dresses like a prostitute and she's like, I'm the best. Like, I don't buy that either. Oh, any woman in that show is just like. I mean, it sounds like you've seen them all, though. Barely one dimension. It really frustrates me. Like my day to day life has nothing to do with what an Avengers movie is about. And then I'm like, I can't. I can't do this. This is this sucks. <laughs> it's just too much. It's all too much. You can't go in. You can't see the promos. Um, yeah, I, yeah. What, what, I, what's your thought on uh, Goodwill Hunting? I I love that movie. I think it's great. I find myself every once in a while telling people that it's not their fault, it's, <laughs> like, and then I have to catch myself. I was at the. I was trying to get into the, my. I went to NYU. I went. To, and I and I recently was visiting the Tisch building and they were like, you can't come in. And they're like, uh, do you have your student ID? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, you cannot come in unless you have it. And I was like, oh, you know, I lost it. Like I graduated four years ago and I sold it on eBay. But <laughs> and that's not a joke. Someone bought my NYU no ID shit. on eBay. And so I was like in his face for a second, like, come on, I just need to use the bathroom. And, and then he was like, I can't let you in and then finally I like broke down and I was like it's not your fault it's not your <laughs> fault security guards it's like I know it's not their fault but god damn it I spent way too much money at Tish not to be able to use the restroom how and about, still how about them room. apples it's a yeah. great it's a great movie man I've seen that like maybe a hundred times He's not, I also he's not liked Argo. Oh, and I watched The Big Short, which Ooh. I love. Yeah, that was excellent. That's that, that's so, Adam McKay, though, so that kind of falls into the smart comedy genre that you're a, a fan of, right? Yeah, and I want to learn something, and I want to, or, like, I even thought Sisters was really good. Like, I just like, I just like it. Yeah, I like smart, I like funny, and then I like it when I like learning things, too. That's fun. I really liked... Um, the Sea World documentary that was Blackfish. great. Yes, yes, that was fantastic. I've been holding off on watching Sisters because I don't want to be disappointed by Tina Fey and Amy Poehler in the same movie. But you're you're saying it's good? I loved it, and and well, it was kind of about like them coming back home and having this one last hurrah. And Bobby Moynihan, like I don't know if anyone has talked about his performance in the movie, but it was top notch. He plays this character who is basically. I don't know where you guys are from, but I'm from Tampa and it was like about Orlando. And so it, it's just this basic, basic guy who's like the like jokester, like in a small town. And he like does not shut up. And then he ends up doing cocaine and goes off the wall into like, I'm funny, I'm funny. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it hit home. It really did. It touched part of my heart that had not been touched in a while. So I liked it. So I'm from Exeter, New Hampshire, which is where uh, A Prayer for Owen Meany takes place, or Simon <laughs> Birch, I guess. Um, and every time somebody like brings up a story about like what reminds them of their hometown, I'm just like, yeah, well, Simon Birch is from my hometown. Yeah, that sounds like that's that sounds sweet and nice and pleasant yeah, compared from, to Tampa. Yeah, I mean, it kind of is. I bet I've been to Tampa once, but I was like 12. Did you go to any strip clubs at age twelve? Yeah, bro, I was there. <laughs> is that is that what you would take away from Tampa nowadays? Is like just strip clubs? Well, I feel like any time I say something about Tampa, like there's always a guy who like catches wind of the word Tampa and goes, "Strip clubs, strip clubs, bro." <laughs> Isn't the, the Dolly Museum there? Turn it off. Um, 
it's yeah, it's a lot of strip clubs and also Buccaneers fans. Those are classy people. And uh, it's just it's just a crazy city. It's very weird. So I've gotten Buccaneers strip clubs and that one guy who thinks he's funny but does cocaine and will eventually go off the wall. This is yeah. Terrible. It's got all that fun like pills and drugs that like people from high school die, and then oh, it God. has like a whole football culture that is it just encompasses every part of of Tampa. I think is like either so, it sounds like, like a good place to spend like Labor Day weekend. Yeah, maybe. It's also humid and kind of like a garbage hole. And then the whole housing crisis happened. Kind of narrows down to Tampa. All the, all the elections narrow down to Tampa, too. That's fun. <laughs> so, all right, you you are from Tampa, and you're now in L.A., and in between you've been in New York and who knows how many other places. Um, so give us a little rundown of, you know, like how you got from then to now. Um, you're, huh? you're, you're a comedian that you you support yourself through comedy, no? Yes. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about like how you got to where you are now in your career. Oh, okay. So when I was like five or six, I would talk about how I want to be an actress. And my dad, who was like a part owner of a comedy club back in like the comedy boom in the 80s and 90s, he was like obsessed with stand up and he used to do stand up all the time. And I was born in 1990, and by the time I was, like, a little kid, my dad had fully brainwashed me with, like, every Steve Martin movie and Animal House and all these movies that were way inappropriate. And I was supposed to be watching Little Mermaid, and I wasn't really allowed to do that. And so I just watched, like, A Man with Two Brains and The Jerk and Animal House. And I was like, okay, this is comedy. And, and, and Spaceballs. I never watched Star Wars, but I watched Spaceballs like over a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now you have this child who's being raised by this comedian, failed comedian turned lawyer. And by the time I was 16, I had like a bunch of books on comedy and I was like writing like comedy act. And I started performing in like the local clubs. But I never, I'm really lucky because I never became like the like novelty, like, hi, I'm a young comedian. I just always did whatever I wanted. And, and it wasn't really like, I'm young. It was, it was just like, this is my life, which is good. It's very good because if you're a kid comedian and you talk about being a kid, that's like the death of your life. It's terrible. So then I was like, okay, I looked at like my heroes. I was like, oh, there's like Woody Allen and Sarah Silverman and you know, Adam Sandler, and they all went to NYU Tisch. So I was like, okay, I have to go to the school. So I go and I was like, I'm going to be a stand up comedian. And then I just do tons of Shakespeare and like super intense theater stuff and like Chekhov and, and like all this insanity at Atlantic Theater. And, and NYU was good. But then when I was done with all like the plays and things, I would just peace out and go do open mics and comedy at like Eastville and all these fun clubs around the village. And I don't know, I just kept on doing stand-up and I worked at Caroline's and I just did everything I could possibly do for stand-up. And I was like, okay, great. Like, I know what I want. And then I graduated a semester early and I was like, I'm going to move to LA. I like wrote this film and shot it really quickly. And then I like packed up my bags and left and my sister I convinced her to come to New York so we together moved to LA into this like gross studio apartment with no parking and so I got like a thousand dollars in parking tickets my first year and just 
Grinded what, it out. What's a Vince Vaughn movie? Is it Swingers? Oh yes, yeah. it was Swingers. Every time I think of LA, that's the only thing that that like comes to mind. <laughs> so when this you movie when you, from the mid nineties, yeah. But when you say like gross apartment, I just picture you walking into like this shithole where like the fridge door like kind of falls off and. You know, it's super tiny and everybody's depressed because they just broke up with their girlfriend or something. Yeah. Um, um, it's also a grind, but can you talk to us? So one of the things it seems like you're doing really well with is your show, right? Yeah. Like, I always think it's insane when people don't have their own show because <laughs> I don't know why that. I don't know. It's like. You're like, wait, you you don't have a show? Yeah, no, no, it sounds, no, but it is insane because there's like a comedy community and there is more of a community in New York, which is part of the reason I just like can't wait to move back to New York. But in LA, it's just all pieced together and it's weird and, 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 and there's not, nothing is really cohesive, but let's just pretend it is. We're in this community. We're all comedians. We're all trying to do shows and and be funny and and in order to be funny you need like a billion hours of stage time and there's just not enough with there's a few comedy clubs in LA and everyone doing these shows is already famous so you have people like Daniel Tosh and Dane Cook and Sarah Silverman and really cool amazingly famous people doing shows at let's say the comedy store and the improv okay so how does someone get stage time I mean, the answer is start your own show and promote it to your personal friends and put your friends on the show. And then those friends need to start shows so that you can do their show. Like, I really do feel like everyone needs to contribute. I mean, there's no like rule book because everyone there's no rule book. But if there was a rule book, I think it should say, like, have a show and then put your put put up and coming comedians on your show and then do their shows. And then everyone can like together gather some stage time so that you can get, uh, you know, Daniel Tosh famous. I don't know. It's yeah, a good way it, to practice and get better to establish a community. We, we talked yeah. to uh, Ian Hunt a few months ago, um, which is he has a show, uh, Good For You, in Brooklyn, which is actually the first time I saw you. Um, and he, he talked to us a lot of, about kind of the same idea, like, you know, you just have to build the community and, you know, eventually if you're good enough, then people will start paying attention. So... That is true. And then there's this weird institution of Montreal, which really helped me. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know what other people think, but it, there is a few things in comedy that you're like, okay, that seems, that seems like there's a rhyme and reason. Cause everything else is like, you know, just do stuff and then that's it. You know, you'll figure it out. There's no plan. There's no there's no, you know, like when you're a doctor, there's a certain amount of years you do this school and then you do a residency and then you, I don't know, I don't know any doctors. But uh, I feel like that comedy, sentence always ends with adult and then you adult. Yes. And then you do surgeries. But I guess for comedy, it's like, what do you do after you're funny? I don't know. But there is a Just for Laughs Festival, which I auditioned for twice and the first time I got a call back and I felt really good about my set but I did not get it but instead I got my manager like the night of my callback I got like the next day I got like an email from a manager and I was like uh oh uh so I I ended up getting a manager from just the callback 
And then the next year I got into Montreal and that was a very pivotal moment. And I got like my touring agents and things like that. And which is basically just like an, a friend who, well, she's awesome. And she just does a lot of bookings for like colleges and people because you need someone to say, Hey, Esther's really funny and she should do your college or your comedy club. It's like, you can't call a comedy club and be like, Hey, uh, I'm a comedian. Can I do your show? Like it's, it's very weird. Well, Montreal is kind of a launching pad for for comedians in general, right? I mean, that's been a big show for a few years now. Did, did you know that when you booked it? Is that like, that yeah. was probably a holy shit moment, right? Yeah, it was just, I was just waiting for, I mean, I was just working towards that. It was such a clear goal. I was like, okay, I'll work really hard get a really amazing six minutes and then I'll get a call back and then I'll nail it and then I'll go to Montreal. Like there was just a really good path. And so I did it and now I got Montreal and I'm like, okay, what do I do now? Like, what do you do next? I just do a bunch of shows, get all pissy about LA and I'm writing. Oh yeah. So from Montreal, I, I met with some people from ABC. So I ended up getting a development deal with that, with ABC digital which was a cool, fun thing. And I'm currently writing a show about, uh, you know, SeaWorld stuff. Is that is that Smoking Whitefish uh, that I read yes. about on your website? Can you talk yeah. to us a little bit about what that's about, or is it all still hush-hush? Um, I'll talk about it. I don't know if it's hush-hush. No one has given me a disclosure so far. So. <laughs> There's no contract. Basically, we, me and my friend Jesse, we went to tish together and then she moved out to LA a little bit later than me and we worked on sketches and things together we were always pitching a sketch show just constantly like two girls like Key and Peel we have a sketch show we do sketches and we got like 1000 no's we would pitch to everyone and they'd be like no which was really fun and then I met someone at ABC when I was in Montreal. And then when we pitched to them, we were like, okay, there was this idea, this idea. They're all kind of sketch shows. And then we had this weird idea. It's really Jesse was pushing for it. And I was like, okay, it's so silly and weird. Like, I'd always be like embarrassed about it. Like, it's just off the wall. But it was, uh, the idea is that it's like a Reno 911 type of mockumentary, except they are not cops. They are whale trainers at a fake sea world. So it's called like Ocean USA. And it's set in Tampa and they're whale trainers, but they're totally incompetent and very stupid. I'm with you. I, I would watch that show. So we pitched it and I was like, all right, there's also this show. And they liked it and they were like, we would like it. We'll buy it. So now we've just been working with them, which the one of my I think this must be a proud moment in my career thus far is when we were doing the negotiations for the um, development deal because it was ABC. ABC is Disney. So Disney's paying us to write a show about a fake water park that trains orca whales in Tampa. And so we um we were negotiating and I insisted that we needed Disney passes. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> no. Yes. That's a win. That's so awesome. Did they give it so to you? They said yes. Are they like lifetime passes? 
Honestly, I don't know. I have not gotten them yet. <laughs> um, but I am really looking forward to going there and 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 use, utilizing my negotiation skills. That's I mean, that's a that's a pretty big get, I think. I mean, if they're lifetime passes, first of all, like that's legitimately probably a pretty big get, but they're probably day passes or I don't know I don't know we I I got four of them though I think they're just four day passes probably oh okay do we do we know pretty big do you know when the show is going to be you know on air or on the internet I guess actually not at all because it's like a it's a it's a development so we're just writing like we did this huge um I guess writing retreat me and my friend Jesse, my writing partner, and we went to SeaWorld and we went to San Diego this past weekend and stayed with my cousin and we just like, we were putting together outlines and it was really intense because it's like, what can we film? There's this weird world and we wanted to know more and more about it. Mm-hmm. So what, we just went there. Uh, it was what horrible. Is, it was horrible? SeaWorld's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I can it's imagine. Like, I worked. I, mean, at, I worked at a water park when I was a kid, and I would not recommend that to anyone. Everyone was drunk. The the people who worked there, or the people who were just I visiting, probably both. A lot of the people that worked there seemed to be mentally ill, and then like legit, just like that's totally cool. But also, that was that was that, and then. um and then the customers, the patrons were just drinking like they had kids with them. And then everyone had like a, a huge like beer and it was just a lot of a lot of drinking. I've so, never been to SeaWorld, um, but I have seen Blackfish. So I feel like I've experienced the terribleness of it. Is it better or worse than you expected after seeing that movie? Worse. I didn't ex- like. I thought they were going to be in like small pools, but they were extremely small. They were like swimming pools. They were like scary small. And they kept on putting out like statements about how they were no longer going to be using orca whales and things like that. And so we went and we wanted to see what they do now. Like, what is a SeaWorld show without orca whales? And they were doing flips. They were like. There was so many people there. I thought it was going to be empty because of just the documentary and, and bad press, but it was so packed and everyone was screaming like splash, splash, splash. And then the whale came and splashed everyone and the whales are all like damaged and sad and they all have like sad fins, like the, the, the slumped over dorsal fin. It was really bad. Don't go. I want to know... First of all, have you ever written a show before, and what is that process like? You're writing it with another person. Um, is this yeah. something that you're going to be doing long term, or? I'm always writing. Like I always have these like sketches and pilots and a lot of spec scripts, and I tried to take as many writing classes as possible when I was at NYU. So I spent a lot of time with that, and I was like writing plays and monologues and stand up. So. I always have that hat on and I'm always pitching uh, these different shows. And so this was the first time that someone was like, okay, we'll give you a development deal. And now basically the process is there's like a few steps and we're kind of towards the beginning steps of like, you know, there's step one and it's, 
all about the outlines and the character Bible. And step two is like the script. Step three would be like the proof of concept. And step four is, I think, trying to sell it as a show. And it's either going to go to digital or it could be on air. I don't know. So we're just trying to make it as funny as humanly possible. That's a lot of pressure. Because at any moment they could be like, yeah, we don't care for it anymore. But do you feel it? So if they did that, would you be able to take this pitch and all the work you've done on steps one through three to try and complete step four somewhere else? Absolutely. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. Do you have that any? Was like, that was a big part. Like we, as soon as one person was interested in it, like we got a development deal, like four other places were like, oh, we want it if they don't want it. And I'm like, what is life? <laughs> yeah. People want what they can't have. So what, how many other shows are you like considering or do you have, you know, in your notebook? Um, is this kind of your only project right now? No, I, I've been toying with this idea of doing a, a pilot about my life and my family for so long. But because there's all these shows about stand-up comedians, I had spent so long being like, if I'm going to write a show, what is it going to be about? Because it can't be a stand-up comedian. So right now I have a pilot I'm writing that's about a girl who like comes back to her hometown Tampa and her dad's running for office. My dad likes to run for a local office and lose um, but he, and he does that constantly. And when I was a kid, I would go like door to door, like vote for my dad. I, so, I, have, a, I have a brother who does the same thing. And, oh yeah. You have to go door to door and tell everyone. Well, I, I don't do that. No, but he, he's constantly failing at running for office. That's amazing. Good for him. Yeah. I live in like a, a neighborhood and it's a neighborhood in Tampa. That's like, I think it's all evangelical Christians who want nothing to do with Michael Steinberg. <laughs> like, they really don't care about his liberal Jew politics. And I'm like, why are you running? <laughs> Aren't there a lot of oh. Jews in Florida, though? They're in Boca. They're not in Tampa. <laughs> okay. And my dad happens to live in, like, a particularly Christian district. Even Jews are Republicans there. It's just wacky. It kind of sounds like your dad might be the main character of the show. I mean, he should be. Well, my character, okay, so if I really, this is like, I've spent so long being like, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, like making that, because it could be anything. So making that final decision, I think it's that my character was on a reality show, like a survivor type. And then she gets voted off the island after like three months on this show where they kind of edit her to make her the bitch. And then she tries to, like, go back to real life and finds that, like, her boyfriend in L.A. is, like, cheating on her and her life is, like, in shambles. So she finally has nowhere to go. So she goes back to Tampa and her dad's running for office. And he's like, you can work for my campaign. And her two older sisters are also living at home. And she, like, tries to go back to this, like, small town Tampa. And and, and it's going from, like, survivor to Tampa. <laughs> That I mean, that's uh, just hearing you describe it and listening through that. That sounds like a really solid pilot. That, uh, how much work have you done on developing this concept so far? A lot of in my head and not enough on the paper. So I have like a treatment, but I won't even start. Like I, I must have spent a year thinking and thinking about it. Like I always wanted to have like a show where it's like I'm a stand up and like it's like Seinfeld, but you're just not allowed to do that. Like 
any good manager will tell you, do not do that. It's just been done so many times. Do not do it. Have you seen do anything? Have you seen uh, Lady Dynamite yet on Netflix with Maria Bamford? Yes. I've been binge watching it like a crazy person. Because they deal with that pretty head on is like to the point where they break the fourth wall with Patton Oswalt, who is like, don't do stand You're you can't do stand up. You're not. Yeah, gonna do it was funny. It was really funny. I actually love that show. And I like that she still peppers in stand up because it is part of her life. So like the boyfriend still has to like see her talk about her like weird stories and stuff on stage because that is so much of of our lives so it would be weird if every day I do a show where I'm on stage telling jokes and then I do a show about my life minus what I do every night I wouldn't know what to write about it's weird well do you think that that's something where it's becoming kind of oversaturated because there's so many uh shows right now where that's kind of the theme you know you have Louie you have the the dice show on Showtime um I don't think the dice show counts, but um, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> just throwing it out there. <laughs> um, yeah, of course it's oversaturated, and and no one will buy anything of that. Yeah, but even so, I I do think that's a really you know awesome pitch. I think it it if done well, I think it could uh, could really be something you know that people will pay attention to. Well, this is a this is also a topic that I try and ask comedians about too. It's like how. specifically related to your material and how it affects your relationships, like how much of your life do you have to protect, like how from doing stand, uh, from, I'm sorry, from doing sets in front of the people who you're talking about? Oh yeah. I have some jokes where I'm telling, I got booed in Tampa in front of like, for some reason, every family member of mine decided to come to my show. I mean, I didn't not invite them, but I wasn't like, Grandma and Granddad, please, please, please come to see me do my show. But they came. And like the Tampa crowd, I have some smart jokes and I have some dirty jokes. And whenever I'm kind of in middle America or Tampa, they want dirty jokes. So I give them what they want. That's what I do. I'm a people pleaser. So I'm in Tampa and then there's like my grandparents, my family, and I start doing some jokes. And I don't know. I just got into a weird headspace and ended up telling like a Hillary Clinton joke and got booed pretty heavily. And, uh, it was fun. It was not fun. Uh, but do so do you consciously not write jokes about things that are happening in your life or are you always mining personal events for stuff to talk about on stage? I don't, yeah, I wish I had jokes that weren't personal, but I think every one of my jokes is like insanely personal and super inappropriate for most <laughs> of my family to watch, but they still watch it. Like it's just been a long nine years of slowly being like, yeah, this is what I talk about. And I fingered a guy. And if you don't, <laughs> if you don't want to be my father anymore, that's that. It's fine, I guess. Did you say you fingered a guy? Yeah, like I have a story about fingering my ex-boyfriend, and I think it's a really funny story. Can, and can a, you tell that uh, for I the mean, podcast? Yeah, for sure. It was like we were visiting New York together, and we stayed in his parents' um, Airbnb. Like they were airbnb a place for like a year, and we were like, oh, we got the place to ourselves. So I was like, let's get freaky. And... Uh, I don't know. It was like late at night and I was laying next to him and he was almost asleep. And then (laughs) 
he was like almost completely asleep. And then I was furiously masturbating with one hand. And then with my other hand, I fingered his butt and he hated it. And he got really mad at me. But I came immediately. Oh, my God. So then I spent like a long few months trying to figure out why the heck I would have an orgasm from fingering my boyfriend. And why, you know, that you can't control what you come to. That's like the Buddha quote, you know. Um, so it's just like this and that bit can go on for a long time. If I start interviewing people in the audience about whether they fingered a boy or they're a boy and if they've gotten fingered and if they like it or they don't. And it becomes a whole like share and show and tell of a stand up. And, and it's so much fun to do with strangers and so so humiliating to do in front of my own parents. So do you ever think about, because I, I, I've seen your set before and you do interact with the audience quite a bit. And something I'm always curious to, to ask comedians is, you know, do you ever think about, you know, the repercussions of doing that? Um, you yeah, know, never. Never. Okay. Like Aziz Ansari does that thing where he reads people's text messages. Like what if somebody's on a date and like he's reading the text messages of like, you know, someone's other girlfriend or something. Um, I mean, that's probably a terrible example because you shouldn't have two girlfriends. But like you, you get the idea of what I'm saying. You know, it's like there <laughs> yeah. are repercussions and, and you, you just don't think about it. Right. Yeah. But I think that there's so there's like big Jay Okerson and that's pretty much all he does is crowd work. And it's incredible. And he says the craziest stuff. But it all comes from a place of like I think it really does come from a place of love and happiness and like wanting to make people laugh. So he'll pick people on the audience. And I think I do the same where. I've never like tried to be malicious if I see a guy and I like I I won't make fun of him in a harsh way. But when I was in San Francisco, I did a show at Doc's Lab, for instance, and the front row was empty. And I was like one of the seats in the front row was empty. And I like begged the person in the back to come and sit in the front. So they did. And then I started asking questions. And and then one of the girl, the girl, no, the guy went to the bathroom. So then I spent like five minutes asking the girl about this guy, how long they've been dating, like kind of like before he gets back from the bathroom, let's get the scoop of like how this date is going, if she actually likes him. I'm, I'm cringing right now. Oh, no, it was fun. And then he comes back and he's I don't think she liked him that much. But I think I try to make it like when you go to the bathroom and there's a ton of girls in the bathroom and everyone's like complaining about something and usually it's like the guy that they're with you know like you and your best friend like go to the bathroom you're like oh I don't really like him he like smells weird but whatever like you check in like I like checking in with people in their dates and I like checking in with people asking them really personal questions but not in the sense of like hey look at this dummy with the shirt you know and calling people names uh, how much of it I is dependent don't. on the rhythm of the set and how well it's going like do you adjust how much crowd work you do based on how the night's going Um, yeah, but it's all, and it's also just like, uh, yesterday I did a show and I just kept on asking this girl what she does for a living and she wouldn't give me an answer. And and at first it was like stupid, but then it became this ongoing joke throughout my set. And I was like quickly asking her to hopefully catch her off guard and she would give me an answer. So there's like little games that you can like play with people and it just like makes people laugh. But uh, it's definitely, I think it's necessary for my stand up to get people involved and people interested 
I like to know what they're up to and what, what their story is. And then I weave in my jokes. Like ideally I just constantly weave in my jokes with what they're doing. If I'm doing a really long set, but if I'm doing a 10 minute set, I'm just doing like my jokes. I don't know if there's someone really weird in the crowd. When I went to, um, I did a show in Rochester and the show owner was like, do you want to the show? The manager was like, asked me if I want to do like an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me the time. I'm, I'm down to do like an hour and 15. And I spent 20 minutes talking about their grocery store. Wegmans. <laughs> yes. Wegmans, Wegmans is the best. Wegmans? Yes. Yeah. Wegmans. Kyle's from Syracuse. So I, my first day doing this show, I was just doing material, just doing all my material, running through all my jokes. And then this one woman was like, you got to go to Wagman's. And I was like, whatever, man. Like, why is someone telling me to go to their local grocery store? But I went and then I just went there with a notebook and I came back the next day with like 20 minutes on Wegman's and how amazing it is. <laughs> So you're and that was fun. That's like a version of crowd work to like do local jokes is like, I don't know if that's hacked, but it certainly makes me, it's like a whole, it turns into a writing project. I mean, I'm stuck in Rochester. Some ladies nagging me to go to Wegmans. <laughs> like I go there with a notebook, buy a bunch of bullshit. I don't need do face masks in the hotel room and uh, <laughs> prep for the next day where I, Pretty much a reference Wegman throughout my set a hundred times. There, there's a guy in New Hampshire, um, Jeff McKinney, maybe, um, who does an annual show in between Christmas and New Year's every year at the Portsmouth Music Hall, sells like two shows, every seat in the house, uh, which is like like three or four hundred seats, and people fucking love it. And that's and it's it's all New Hampshire based comedy. You know, if you oh, that's yeah. And if you show up and like you're from Massachusetts or Vermont or something, like even if you're that close, you still have no idea what the fuck this guy's talking about unless you're from New Hampshire. So, I mean, it's it's a great show, you know, for a lot of people. But I always look around whenever I go and you see like the the girlfriends from college or something that show up and have like no idea what this guy's talking about and are just trying to follow along with all the jokes and like laughing when everybody else does. That sounds yeah. like a nightmare. I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I like it. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, you'd think that a lot of my material is about Tampa, so you'd think I'd, like, destroy when I go to Tampa, but I'm shitting on Tampa, so they end up booing me. So I officially say I'll, I can perform absolutely anywhere in the country besides Tampa. Is there, like, a sister city near Tampa that just loves it when you shit on Tampa? Like, is there a place that you kill? Because oh, I'm sure Tampa. Orlando would love me because they have like a bizarre rivalry. Really? There's an Orlando-Tampa yeah, rivalry. Oh, yeah. Like I was listening to a local Tampa rapper and it was like, fuck Orlando, man. They, oh, it was like all bashing Orlando. It was hilarious. They're like 60 miles away from here. They don't know anything. <laughs> you, call yeah. it, you, you call them Landos? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. I must have just not said it. That's a good one. Landos. I call them tr Tampa people like Trampa. I don't know. I make fun <laughs> of Tampa a lot. I'm not allowed back in that city. They hate me. But you'll be back for Christmas. So uh, talk to us very briefly or however long you feel like about uh, your reality TV show, because I'm kind of curious about the process with that, like how they chose you out of everybody in L.A. and, um, you know, what that's like having, you know, so much of your yeah. life filmed 
I mean, contractually, what I can say, and I don't even think anyone cares anymore because the show didn't get picked up. It didn't like officially get canceled, but it hasn't been picked up. And I was like, let's do a second season in New York. But um, I think it was like this long process where they spent years like trying to develop this show, which was about, it was a docu-series. So that's how it was pitched to me. And it was like, I remember getting this meeting and it was like, you have to go in and um, it's a reality sh- or it's a docu-series and, 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 and it looked terrible. And I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I was like, my boyfriend at the time was like, you've got to go. You never get auditions. And I was like, fine. And so I, uh, he <laughs> drove me to this audition and I like, didn't really know what they wanted. Like, I never know what to wear. I don't know what to say. Um, so I like wore something. I remember wearing like a cute, sexy shirt. Like they probably want, this is what they want. And, uh, I like walked in and they asked me one question. They were like, tell me about yourself. And then I talked for an hour. (laughs) And then I left and I was like, I think it went really well. (laughs) Like it, It was so silly. But at the time I was like, I live with my sister and I live with my boyfriend and it's all weird and complicated and he does stand up and so do I. And, and then somehow they ended up, putting another girl on the show that had like a weird, I don't know if it was like a, I don't know. They had some kind of, there was some sexual tension between like her and the guy I was dating. But then by the time we started filming, I had already broken up with him. So then it became me and this girl that I wasn't like the most fond of. And everyone thinks it was like a, a fake fight and that it was super fake. And it wasn't, it was very real, which is 10 times more embarrassing. And, um, the other girls, I met them, and I became very close with them, and we're still all really good friends. Um, but it was a weird experience. It, I when I approached it, I was like, okay, here are the stories I'm gonna write. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I just kept on wanting to write stories. I wanted to write like conflict and stories and get all my friends on the show. And then I had no power. Um, how so? When you were trying to get them on the show, what was that like? Were you like, I want to go hang out with these people? And they're like, no, you can't do that? Well, actually, I got a lot of my friends on the show just because, like, if I'm with Neil Nanda all the time, who's, like, my friend who did, we used to do comedy together, I was like, they found a way to, like, include him where I was going to meet with Margaret Cho and he knew her. So they were like, okay, well, let's film that conversation. So we filmed this conversation, but, you know, it was... It was like my first time having cameras in front of me. And now I look back and I feel like I looked nervous and all that stuff. It didn't really capture my actual conversations with Neil. It captured some kind of weird version of us in front of a camera. So that kind of sucked. But there was once they were telling me that, you know, they actually said to me once that I did not seem vulnerable So I got really upset and I was like, I don't know how to be vulnerable. I, uh, I didn't know what to do. So I asked Ari Shafir, who's this comedian I used to like hook up with. And I was like, be on a date with me. Like, let's go on a date on my show. So we got to like go on a date and he like made belittled me and like said mean things to me. And I was like, ah, there you go. I'm vulnerable now. Wait, on purpose? He was like, you were like, insult me. He does that anyways. Like oh, the way okay. he, 
I mean, it's maybe it's a flirtatious thing. I mean, he's probably in love with me, but um, <laughs> it was just, you know, he, he, I don't know, it was weird. So then all of a sudden we have footage. I have footage of me going on a date with Ari Shafir at a hot dog place where he is basically insulting me a bunch. And then I insult him a bunch. And then he ends it by being like, let's hang out at midnight. And I'm like, fuck that. And uh <laughs> I guess that was my version of being vulnerable. What was one of the conflicts you really wanted to work in? Like one of the scenes that you wrote for it? I really want, they again were like, we don't care what you write, <laughs> but I really wanted to have like a thing with my ex-boyfriend. Cause I always end up dating comics, even though people tell you not to slash judge you slash comics are crazy people. But, um, so I was dating a comic and I wanted to do like a, a joke off. Like I see him telling a joke about me and then I wrote a joke about him and the producers were like, absolutely not. This is not funny or interesting. This is vindictive and mean. Is this finger in the butt guy? No, this is not I have lots of guy. boyfriends and this one was more of just no fingers in the butts, but okay. you know. He was more of a straight it's, shooter. Yeah, but you know. He's so like certain butt things, you know. <laughs> All right, so Esther, uh, see, yeah, that's a great, great segue. Yeah, we uh, on this show we like to bring on like writers and comedians and actors and editors and journalists and and talk to them about you know a story that they have typically struggled to tell in the past, and it could be because of you know romantic or religious reasons or economic reasons or you don't want to piss off a boss or an ex boyfriend or you know a brother or a sister, um, and you you prepared a. You know, a bunch of stories actually. Um, so horrifying to you, weren't they? Well, no, they're. I mean, I guess yeah, they are. But um, to be honest, I expected them after watching all of your sets. Um, <laughs> so, um, I mean, there's a couple that are a little more horrifying. I wouldn't but... call them horrifying. I do want to talk about all of them, but we kind of have to limit it based on time. So I guess, uh, like, do you want to pick one and just go with it? I mean, there's like a sweet love story and then, oh, well, we'll do that. That's fun. I'll do the sweet love story because I'm in love and I won't stop talking about my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> Is this your, cur your current boyfriend? Yeah. Okay. Um, every time I date a guy, I'm like, we're soulmates, but this time we are. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I've had 40 soulmates. <laughs> I, I collect souls. I, I, I fall real fast and then uh, it's fun. And then, I mean, or the shot girl story is, is all fun too. Let's That's hear both. pretty juicy. Let's hear both of them. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, can I ask you, was my stand-up, is my stand-up, I don't know. What are some opinions on it? I don't know. I never hear someone like, oh, I watched all of it, so I expected some horrifying stories come out of you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, the my experience with your stand-up is, uh, you know, I saw you in person, and uh, it was a night that I think myself, you, and another one of the stand-ups were all wearing the same red flannel shirt. Oh, yeah. And it was <laughs> the first thing that you called me out on, um, and there's a couple other things that you called me out on. Wait, say it specifically. Oh, no. I feel like she, would, she might remember if you get specific, and it's also hilarious. 
I mean, I no, I won't. But do um, it. no, it was, no. But please tell me what did they call you he, out on? He told me I, that night. Uh, what right, it was sure. So you, there's one very particular instance where you made a joke about rape. Um, okay, that, that sounds like that's me. And then, like you know, after you made this joke and everybody was laughing, you looked directly at me and you go, "Hey, you look really uncomfortable." <laughs> And I mean, I didn't think that I was uncomfortable prior to that, but I was certainly uncomfortable after that. Um, (laughs) But no, I. I'm a monster. (laughs) No, no, that was amazing. I thought Um, I thought that you were hilarious, but for the next like three days, every friend that I was with is just like, "So Jeff, let's talk about rape." Oh no! (laughs) And did did anything good come out of rape? No, no, nothing great. (laughs) But. um, But all in, yeah, I saw most of your stuff, and I mean, I thought it was all hilarious. Like, I like your character acting. I like, you know, your your general stand-up. Um, you know, I think that you have more material than most comedians that I pay attention to, which yeah. is is refreshing. So I appreciate that. That's a that's a good that's a good thing to have a lot of material. I like to pretend I'm prolific. <laughs> I think you are. And I mean, so how how do you even do that? Like, what's your writing process look like? Do you wake up every morning and like go to a coffee shop at 5 a.m. or something? Not at all. I think that my favorite thing to do is write on stage. Like <laughs> last night, someone made me do a 30 minute set because Tyra Vera was late. So I ended up doing 30 minutes. And I was like, just I just did. Cr- I do crowd work until it turns into a bit or I actually talk about my day or I actually talk about a sexual experience until it just turns into a bit. But for some reason yesterday, I went around the room asking women if they're like more of internal or external comers. And it just became like very fascinating because women are so weird and complicated. And uh, I was like, maybe that's a bit. Maybe interviewing the whole audience, whether they come internally or externally, is my new favorite bit. I don't know. So I'm going to play around with it. I mean, that sounds like something that would be super interesting. Um yeah and there's like i recently talked to like a 28 year old woman who's like i don't think i've ever had an orgasm and i was like you know and now i'm like (laughs) oh my god who are those people you met one of the people that the survey is like some women never come at all and yeah i have to do ted talks now about how like women deserve to have orgasms um (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's the leading qualification is like meeting one of those women yeah, it's really scary, <laughs> but um, it's fun to talk about that, especially like women's point of view with sex, because guys are like, all I want is to get laid, and like it's pretty much, a, a, I don't know, I feel like men have very similar sexual like experiences over and over, like uh, women, the finishing line for them is very blurry and bizarre and complicated, and uh, apparently that's all I want to talk about. But uh, I do have, I can do my, I can do my Rochester story. I'm ready. I'm excited to tell it now. Which one my is weird, this? My weird boyfriend story. Oh, let's go for it. Um, I, uh, I got this apartment. I met this, I, I like, I cheated on one boyfriend with this guy I met in San Francisco who had like really good Hitler jokes. And, um... <laughs> Literally, I was just like, you got me. And uh, and I started um, hanging out with him. And then I was like, 
like a month into us like having this weird long distance relationship i was like move in like let's get a place together and he was like okay i i i want to interrupt and say that based on this conversation you would be simultaneously the best and worst girlfriend that i've ever had thank you i'm very honest i mean i'm crazy but (laughs) i will fall i fall very fast for anyone who if you're if you have like a very good hitler joke like i will fall in love with you and beg you to move in with me. Google so, Hitler jokes. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. It was so good. It was like about time travelers and things like that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Lieb, check it out. So we started hanging out and dating and I told him like, move in with me. So I went and found this apartment and, and I was going to live there for like a few months. Then he was going to like move in on February 1st. Well, in mid-January, I had some gigs in New York, and so I went to New York, and I was supposed to go from Minnesota, do a casino in Minnesota, and then fly to home to L.A., and then back to New York to do this gig in Rochester. But because my dad is, like, really smart and Jewy about tickets, he was like, you'll save a lot of money if you fly from Minnesota to New York City, stay there for a few days, then take a train to Rochester. I was like, okay, done. So I went back to New York and I hadn't been back in like a few years, except for maybe like one or two days to do like upfronts with funny girls. So the last time I was there, there was like billboards all over the place with my face on it. And it was so exciting. And I felt like a rich celebrity. And now I'm back to like being a poor comedian trying to like finagle, you know, some kind of cheaper route around the country. And, um, I go to New York and I do some shows and I do my friend Yamanika's podcast who was on Funny Girls. And the whole time I'm gushing about this boyfriend. He's about to move in with me and he's the one and he's amazing. And this guy sitting next to me was talking about how he's like a player and never wants to get married. And um, afterwards, they were recording another podcast. So me and that guest, his name was Noah, we went downstairs and we started talking, just talking about random stuff and Montreal and comedy and I don't know. He was like very charming, but I was like, who is this guy? Like, I don't even know him. And then I found out he and I have the same manager. So I was like, well, that's weird. And then there's a a trick you can do as a girl, which I did. So later that I think it was the next night I had a show at Gotham and I looked at my phone and I didn't really want to like, I don't know. The guy was like in my head, like he was like kind of cool and calm and like, I just, like dug his vibe and so I went on Instagram and you guys can try this if you're ever a woman but you (laughs) get on you get on Instagram if you're a girl and then you like four pictures completely random just one two three four like 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 all of this guy about five minutes will go by and he texted me that he got my number from like a mutual friend and he just wanted to say hey what's up Wait, wait, which picture? You liked his photos? I just liked four random photos on his Instagram. Okay. Yeah, no, it's so you're totally right. A girl I haven't talked to in like, you know, six months uh, added me as a friend on Snapchat today and I texted her like immediately. Yes. Men are dogs and women can just train them. Um, So you can just. Anytime if you're a woman, you can go on someone's Facebook. You have to like more than one photo. It has to be like, okay, why did this person like a picture of my dog, a picture of me with like I voted sticker, and then also a picture of me in a cowboy hat. So it has like, to be three You need or four. like three random, like random, like just 
like, like, like. And then immediately, like right on time, you can like look at your watch and be like, and now I get a text. And like five minutes later, he texted me and I was like, I want weed. So he's like, oh, I'm doing a show. And then all of a sudden the show got canceled and he's like, oh, I can come by now. So he comes by and he brings weed. And I was like, good job. Like, so silly. And we go and hang out and we get like pizza and we smoke weed. And he was like very tall and dewy and handsome. And like my boyfriend before was like only, well, the boyfriend I had, I was like, I have a boyfriend. So back off, buddy. So we like played pool and we hung out and we smoked weed. But I was like, I have a boyfriend. And then we, I was like going to Rochester the next day. So I go to Rochester and I take this like eight hour train and then I text him, like, I think he texted me, like, like, I've been thinking about you a lot or something like that. And I was like, okay, me too. And then I was randomly like, come to Rochester, which is a bold move that only psychotic people would do if they have boyfriends and they meet someone for one night they hang out. And he was like, okay, I'll come to Rochester. And then I was like, wow, that was really stupid. My boyfriend's great. And my boyfriend at the time, Matt, was like shooting something at the AVN Awards, like the porn awards in Vegas. So part of me wanted to just piss him off. Like, why are you at porn awards? But he was doing some kind of funny man on the street video. But I was still like feeling deprived of attention, etc. And um, I don't know why I'm a monster, but I was like, come to Rochester even though I have a boyfriend. So I go to Rochester and I do a bunch of radio stuff and I do a bunch of shows and I'm talking about this boyfriend I have in San Francisco. And then out of the blue, this guy from New York pops up and he's there and I give him like a five minute guest spot, even though he's like a rock star comedian. I'm like, here's a five minute guest spot. And I do like an hour and a half on Wegmans and he's just watching me like do all this weird crowd work and I'm killing it and I'm feeling really good. And then the club owner was like, oh, who's this guy? Is this your boyfriend? And I was like, no. And then he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, just, you know, he's going to be staying with me, I guess. And he and I had to, like, kind of look at this manager of this comedy club and be like, hey, listen, like, I know I'm a woman, but I'm still a comedian. I'm a comic first, and I'm a, I'm a scumbag, you know. <laughs> I'm a scumbag comedian. <laughs> And yes, I have a boyfriend. And yes, this guy will be coming home with me tonight. So sorry. Uh, which I feel like people don't expect female comedians to be as sleazy as the male comics. But we are sleazier because we have more power. And um, it was fun. So he came. And then there was a huge blizzard. And the whole time I was like, I have a boyfriend. Like, we can't hook up. But there was, like, lots of sexual tension. And it was really exciting for me. And I started feeling things, you know. And then uh, there was a huge blizzard and we ended up like hooking up and I cheated on my boyfriend, which he knows. And uh, he, uh, he is I don't aware. know, I was like, yeah, he's aware. He like caught the message. He got the memo. And I was so freaked out about the whole thing. I don't, I called my therapist and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I really like this guy. Of course, I can't just hook up with someone. I have to like fall very hard in love with him. And I was just like, he's great. And he's all these things. And I don't even know if I was about to move in with the San Francisco guy. So then I had to like, I don't know. I felt like my brain was like reconfiguring to be like, okay, now what do I do? And my therapist was like, yeah, you know, you don't need the San Francisco guy. Just go for it, which I don't know if that's really good therapist advice, but 
he was like, go for it, live your life. And I was like, yeah, but I'm afraid about like my apartment and paying rent on my own. Like he's supposed to move in with me and all this stuff. And he was like, yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I, uh, I broke up with the San Francisco guy and now I've been, then the, the, the New York comic came to LA for like a month for pilot season and it was February and we started hanging out a lot and it was really exciting and lots of like fun dates and stuff and then I was like okay so what's happening with us and he was like oh you know we're just seeing how it goes and I was like I did not break up with my six foot six half Jewish boyfriend from San Francisco so that we could just chill and I bullied him into being my boyfriend and that's how all good love starts yeah, I really bullied him. Like I was like I was like how dare you. And then now he's doing a bit about it that I he has now a bit that he's doing and he's taping his Comedy Central special like his half hour this weekend in New Orleans and his bit is how I like told him if if you're my if we're boyfriend and girlfriend I'll cook and clean for you and he's like I'll cook and clean for myself and it's like if you're my boyfriend I'll I'll love you with all my heart. He's like, I can love myself with all my heart. And then it's like, if you're my boyfriend, we won't wear condoms. And he's like, will you be my girlfriend? (laughs) (laughs) The magic words. So that is what love sounds like. Um, And it's been exciting and weird. And now I'm like, I want to move to New York. But the whole thing, like... I guess it's been four months and four months ago I was like really dead set on living in LA with my boyfriend from San Francisco and just doing LA stuff. And then because of this new guy in my life, I've been going to New York a ton and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like there's so much stage time. It's the best city in the world. I love all the shows here. And then I ended up filming live at Gotham and I headlined Caroline's and I was like, I love New York and New York loves me and fuck LA. And I've turned LA into like a demon. And you're so on now your I live in this city where I like scoff at everything. I'm just like, stupid LA. Um, so you also have experienced both sides of the the um, relationship material that we were talking about earlier. Now you get to sit in the audience and watch someone talk about you. Yeah, his jokes are really funny, though. I mean, that's just <laughs> the difference. Is that your jokes He's aren't so- funny? No, no, like I tell jokes about all kinds of guys and they like it. I feel like it's cool. But and, and I'll watch him tell jokes about me, but they're really positive. Like he says very sweet things and then mixes in like a few crazy moments. But I, I, I like I must be very narcissistic. Like I really enjoy watching someone talk about me on stage. <laughs> What's his name? His name is Noah Gardenswartz. Gardenswartz. I have one really I have one really good joke. I can tell you guys that I wrote about him. You'll like it. I'd love to hear it. Okay. It's that. Okay. So I go, I go, I'm dating a new guy and I'm really excited. He's the golden ticket. He's the jackpot. He's like, he's like the most amazing guy. He's got everything I've ever wanted. He's tall. He's Jewish. Dead mom. Oh, my God. Oh. I feel so guilty about laughing at all of your jokes, but they're so good. It's amazing. Oh, I was like, this is yeah. it. This is the jackpot. It's everything yeah. I've ever wanted. It's, it's... 
I can't believe I found someone with all the qualities I've ever wanted. <laughs> oh, oh man, yeah, that, uh, that's that's a that's a keeper. This is a, <laughs> Esther. Where where can our guests or our listeners find you online? Um, I have a lot of YouTube videos and. I'm on Snapchat. I use the dog filter quite often. And um, Instagram, Esther.Steinberg. Twitter, at Esther K. Come to the Kibitz Room. And I guess EstherSteinberg.com is my website. I put my tour dates on it. But yeah, I'm, I'm like, where can you find me? Probably at the Starbucks on Larchmont. <laughs> okay. Most- <laughs> we'll put that Watch Starbucks because the most boring places are where you actually get work done. We'll, we'll put uh, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, Esther. Yeah, this was a ton Thank of fun. You. It's been fantastic. Thank you, and remember, pretend like everyone's your best friend. <laughs> done. So that is Esther Steinberg. It's kind of funny, right? Is that a joke? <laughs> All right, we actually have to boogie pretty soon because uh, Kyle and I are on a dynasty trivia team. We are the defending champions at Break Bar for Stumptown Trivia. Um, Join us if you want to find out what we call ourselves on a weekly basis to our detriment and be destroyed. Uh, Again, we are a dynasty, so don't plan on winning if you show up. Uh, You can find Esther Steinberg online at esthersteinberg.com or on Twitter at Esther K, -K E-S-T-E-R-K-A-Y. She has all kinds of hilarious skits, including the Funnier Die Donut Day skit that she mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, You can find us online at www.podcast.com. All of our social media is listed on the site. I recommend following us on Twitter and liking our Facebook page and double tapping everything we've ever put on Instagram and signing up for our newsletter at tinyletter.com slash www.podcast.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate and review us. We think it matters, but we're not entirely sure. But I'd love to know what you think anyways. Yeah, and we also don't you know, put any money for advertising or any of that good stuff. So if you want us to keep bringing you hilarious comedians, just you know, let us know what you think because we need some kind of recognition that we're not shouting into a dead microphone. But uh, I will shout into a dead microphone, just so we're clear. Yeah, me too. And also, we want to thank Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library, who did the music at the top and the bottom of the show, and every other show of Writers Who Don't Write podcast. You can find him online at hollandpattonpubliclibrary.com. And again, we are at www.podcast.com. We are the Writers Who Don't Write. And thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week.